Hello and welcome to More Than a Game, a podcast about the A-Leagues, Premier Leagues and more. This week on the show, twists and turns are plenty as the title and relegation battles reach their conclusion on a very worthy Prem final day. We review the new teen movie, Euro Trip 2, Ellie and Aiden's Adventure, and Buck fans show up and Buck, fan, Buck players don't as the Woo and City are through to the A-League Grand Final. My name's Tommy C and joining me this week... Got Colby and Jesse. How are you doing, boys? Uh, a bit flat today after, uh, I guess, not necessarily the result you're after, but also possibly a late night um, as well. Jesse? Yeah, you definitely, definitely for me. I, um, yeah, did a split shift again this week <laughs> and uh, the, the body's definitely uh, a bit tired tonight. So thanks for the early pod time, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't bounce back like we used to do anymore, do we? <laughs> And Colby, how are you uh, this fine Monday evening? Yeah, a bit bit flat as well, Tommy, um, after Liverpool failed to cinch it. But, I mean, they did their job. So, you know, what were we expecting really? Like, um, yeah, there's, there's um, yeah, the, the city juggernaut under Pep are a little bit hard to stop at the moment. But more on that indeed. later. Yeah, indeed. More on that shortly. Um, all right, boys, let's, let's hook into um, our respective moments of the week then. Jesse, you want to go first? Yeah, a bit of a shout out to... Uh, Friend of the pod, Tommy, who's watching this uh, while he's eating some KFC. Big Leeds fan. <laughs> um, and my moment what of the week a is... moment. My moment of the week is Leeds staying up against seemingly all the odds. I um, the, the narrative all week was uh, uh, Ivan Tony finding a tweet from about two or three years back uh, where Stuart Dallas and that was singing about Brentford um, going down or something. Or there was, there, was <laughs> ba- there was bad blood between Brentford and Leeds. So the narrative all week was that Brentford were going to... Uh, spoil the party for them and, and knock them out, knock them out and, and make them basically go down out of the league. And, you know, Leeds really dug in um, with, um, with their, uh, the mo- I think the motto is believe um, that they use. So the Ted Lasso. Believes. Um, Believes. And uh, they did a great job at um, digging that one out of the fire. And to be honest, I didn't see that coming because I mean, they were, they were getting red, uh, red cars left, right and center all the way up in the lead up to that game. So um, good on them. And uh, you know, if I had a had a beer, I'd raise a beer to them. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was a pretty wild final day, and I know that Leeds uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Australians have a soft spot for Leeds. So, um, and you compare that with Burnley, who I'm not sure a lot of people have a soft spot for Burnley. So, uh, yeah, like I said, more on um, the Premier League relegation battle um, in a second, though. Colby, what about you, mate? What was your moment of the week? Uh, my moment of the week, um, I'll give it to Aiden Rustich, Tommy, and Eintracht Frankfurt winning the Europa League. Um, you my know, boy. He actually played. He Damo's actually anti-boy. <laughs> so you're Damo's anti-boy. Tommy, your boy. Um, I'm, I'm partial to him as well. Um, although I did I did give the, the Ruse social media a spray when, um, you know, they were, big, they were gassing him up and he was an unused sub off the bench in, in one of the previous ties. But he actually got off the bench and he scored his pen. So he did his job and... You know, collected his medal and got a trophy as well. So that's um that's underrated, I think, about the idea of rocking up to a penalty shootout in, in a final of a tournament and sticking your penalty. Because I mean, there'd be a lot of people that would fold in that really high pressure situation like that. And like he's he's, he's not not super experienced or by any means. So um the fact that yeah he stuck his penalty, I think, is is pretty big. 
Uh, for me, uh, look, it probably would have been um, Aiden Hrustic as well. Uh, but look, I'm going to go for the other half of the the Euro trip uh, uh, pun that I made in the title, and it's Ellie Carpenter winning the Champions League with with Lyon, um, which was a, a great result for Ellie. She um, was uh, an unused substitute last year um, when they. Um, when Leon won the Champions League last year, and obviously Leon are just a juggernaut of, of European football in in the women's game, so um, it's not not particularly surprising that they've won it. But this year they were playing a, a Barcelona team that just uh, have just conquered everything ahead of them, and sort of they were the two most dominant teams in in Europe. So um, pretty massive that that Ellie Carpenter um, got the winners' medal there. Um, but I guess it's, it wasn't all good news with Ellie Carpenter looking like she's got a pretty serious injury as well um some kind of amusing scenes at the end of the game though when she um hobbled onto the field at full pace sort of on on crutches and crutches sort of flying flailing around as well so um look hopefully that's not going to impact on on her um next next season um or, and heading into the world cup year next year for the tillies so uh fingers crossed for ellie but for now just congratulations i guess for for her and for hate uh, for eight um boys into own goals though jesse what about you mate uh i think just the the steady increase of uh pitch invasions unsolicited pitch invasions mm. um it's uh it's getting a bit out of hand and you know, I, I grew up in, as we all did, in an era where this this actually happened quite a lot. Um, mm. But we also, you know, were fortunate to grow up in a time where there was probably less attacks, um, public attacks, and things like that. And uh, it's the just, pre-terrorism age, almost. Well, at least in, in our world, um, and so it's just kind of it's one of those things which I think about. I was thinking about this today. You know, like you, you get on an airplane and you go somewhere, and there's intense customs, and your bags searched about three times, and you, you've got X-rays, and you're checking to see every item that's in your luggage, and that's because they deem an airport and a plane as a, a big um, area of a massive people. Well, a football game is also a massive people. Um, and the fact that, you know, people can get in the grounds, but you just don't know what they've brought in with them. Um, it's just a bit worrying that people are able to that easily ex- access the pitch, um, obviously with very little resistance. And also with so many people doing it, it's so hard to police, um, find people. Um, there's no punishment. So people kind of feel that confidence on mass uh, and it's starting to get a bit worrying, I think, because I, 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 I guess the reason why I brought this up as my own goal is that I, completely get the emotion and if it was as straightforward as it's perfectly safe let's just all do it then i'd probably be fine about it but the fact is that the matter you see vera um having to sort of swap fans away because uh people are getting in his face i mean that's that's not that's not cool yeah mate this was um something that i was tempted to make uh, my own goal but instead um i there's a bit to this right so We've all seen um, a few pitch invasions. Obviously, there was a couple in the Everton game um, against Palace uh, midweek, um, but there's been a couple in the uh, the football league uh, playoffs. So in the League Two playoffs, there was a uh, a pitch invasion in both the semis, uh, Championship playoff semi between Forest and Sheffield United. There was a um, a pitch invasion where Billy Sharp got basically 
there was this dude who just basically did a flying headbutt in him yeah. uh, at him. Uh, there was one in the Europa League semi between Frankfurt and West Ham, and then obviously last night with uh, Manchester City winning uh, against Villa, there was one there as well. And at least, uh, I guess, to their credit, um, City's security looked like they were a little bit better prepared than some of the the other games where it, it had happened, and sort of players were were very quickly moved off the field. But you mentioned. Um, uh, the incident involving um, Patrick Vieira and, I mean, the FA, they've said that they're going to be investigating that and it's not ex- exactly clear whether or not sort of Vieira is sort of free from blame, whether or not they they could sort of haul him over the, uh, over the coals, right? And, I mean, you've got this guy basically coming up and screaming in your face abuse and um, and, and all sorts of different things and um, I, I think... Um, uh, Patrick Vieira's reaction is is pretty understandable, I think, given the circumstances, and that's sort of before um, you get into the scenarios that we saw with um, uh, with Billy Sharp, where he was headbutted, and um, as it turns out, Jesse, you mentioned about sort of punishments and and that people have confidence when they get onto the pitch in these big numbers. Um, the bloke who headbutted Billy Sharp, he's been given six months jail. Um, he's given a fine, very small fine, but still was given a fine as part of his punishment as well. So. Um, I think what we're seeing is that um, this is only just sort of sort of developing the FA and uh, and certain clubs' responses in in response to this, but um, it does seem like it's kind of ridiculously caught everyone off guard. Um, but just to to make one final point, I think. Um, you mentioned before about how everyone sort of wants to embrace the passion of supporters and things like that. But I think with this, that there's not a gray area to me. Um, I, I think you've got a situation where you've got thousands of people running onto the pitch. And um, I think as we've seen with Billy Sharp and, and Patrick Vieira, there's, there's no gray area when it comes to people's safety um, and the, the players and the, the playing staff's um, safety. So for me, this is, I'm, I'm amazed that like there's even an argument about whether or not this can happen or whether or not it should happen or anything, because it's just, it's a recipe for recipe for disaster, um, even more so than what it's been so far in rent. And I mean, what Toby, what you do get with that though is, is you, in Australia, like you know, we we sit over here and we watch all this stuff happening in Europe, um, mm. and and then you get the overreaction and the overpolicing in the game here in Australia. And I know we've all seen um, footage of um, that teenager who was getting dragged off by like five cops at the the city game on the weekend. Um, and mm. you know, this is just. Sadly, this is just not an uncommon occurrence in, in the A-League and in football in Australia, like police just overreacting to, I don't know, it's not clear what happened exactly. I think there was a goal celebration and the, the guys come off the edge of the the, um, the hoardings and, and jumped onto the pitch or been pushed onto the pitch or something like that. And um, it's resulted in a bunch of cops ending up there and, and ejecting him from the venue and in a pretty forceful looking way by the looks of the video but mm. it's just it's just the own goal that keeps on giving isn't it like you know this you, you're, you're absolutely right and the pitch invasions and and people's safety is is really paramount but then when that gets taken to the other extreme here in in, in the over policing that it results in it's just not great for the game particularly when we're already struggling, um, you know, to try and nurture back some of that active support and and the rest of the the crowds that come along with it here in Australia. 
Yeah, like we we haven't really seen like any sort of culture of of pitch invasions in football in Australia. Maybe it's because of the size of the crowds. I'm not sure, but um, I guess it would have been very interesting to have seen if um, if the VAC had have won uh, their game against um, uh, won their game against uh, Western United on Saturday night. If there had been some sort of some sort of scenes like that um I, I did hear sort of i think it was sort of sarcastically that uh, i heard some victory fans online say that they were going to do a pitch invasion if um if wellington i think it was beat city in that that last uh game of the season um but obviously we'll we'll never know but still it's um mm. I, I guess i could have made uh, that uh that uh, an own goal as well um when we were talking about the the incident at the city game where that i think he was only like a 15 year old as well where he was basically sort of dragged away by the cops after um allegedly he fell over the over the the advertising hoarding so just really really challenging time i guess for for the a league in dealing with that and um you had scott jamison and stephen moore both come out and say like this is garbage like you need to support the the fans and i guess that's the other side of the coin though anyway um copy what about you what was your uh, own goal this week well, that that has to be it for me, Tommy. The you know this this kid getting dragged and yet another incident at um at A League grounds and you know why haven't we dealt with this by now? Like we've we've had all of these um, forums between various iterations of the the APL, the FFA, as they then were um, having dialogues with um, police and you know talking about. Um, they were going to get supporter marshals to be an interface between um, the the police and the the crowds, the active support mm. at the grounds, and things like that. And clearly, none of that's happening. These incidents just keep on happening. They're just, I mean, they they just they just stuff like that can't can't be allowed to happen. I mean, maybe there's another side to this particular incident that we're not aware of yet. But there's been a lot of people tweeting about this who seem to be there at the time, um, and I'm not seeing any anything crazy coming out to sort of suggest that this wasn't just another Curi- one of those incidents. Curiously, there was some reports that there, there were marshals, uh, like city city marshals um, just outside that, that area, and they helped in the, like, the that person getting sort of arrested or dragged out by the police, which um, a lot of the, the city fans were saying that, well, they're not particularly helpful. They're not, not really looking after the sort of the, the fans' interests there and they sort of helped escalate the situation. So obviously you've got to have the right people as... as um, um, just just classic middle management, isn't it? Just fucking escalating <laughs> the situation. <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, all right, I'm, I'm not going to have an own goal because I think we've already talked about... Um, uh, the pigeon invasions to almost to death, uh, but one thing I do want to mention um, at the top, and that's about the the uh, Azusa Ute uh, mini Ute, which has made an appearance in the last couple of weeks, because that has been it's become almost a little bit of like a, a cult hero, uh, or um, in the last uh, last week or so. And I don't know why they only just brought this in for the final series. It feels like this they should have brought this in in round one because it's just been strangely fun um just seeing like this little ute drive around and at um at yesterday's game i noticed that there was there was actually two 
I was like, oh my god, there's there's multiples of them, and uh, I just I couldn't I couldn't understand why this was making me so happy, but it was. It sounds like this should have been your moment of the week, Tommy. You're in the wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just wanted you, to end end on a positive. You can't just have one, Tommy. It will get lonely. You've got to have it. Go give it to friends. Yeah, and you can't have Christmas all year round. I think they they did well saving it for the final series. You know, look how happy you are. Exactly right. Um, Alrighty, a few uh, bits of news and discussion, uh, though, before we get into the A-League. First of all, we were going to talk about pitch invasions, but I think we've already talked about that. Um, next up, though, is uh, PSG. They've announced that Kylian Mbappe, he signed a new contract in the last couple of days. Uh, three-year contract, $150 million, uh Euro signing on fee, which is basically a whole nother transfer fee that they've paid uh, all over again. Um, he's got a salary of something in the region of like $200,000 a day. Um, curiously, uh, they've basically given him the power to, to choose the sporting director and, and or manager um, in something I would probably consider to be unprecedented. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there, fellas, but um, just a, a wild scenario that they've they've now set up for uh, Mbappe at, at PSG. Well, well, Tommy, you've just shown your hand for not listening to last week's pod. Oh, uh, where no. Jesse, Jesse and I were <laughs> discussing uh, the Lionel Messi uh, purported um, or reported um, stake that he's going to be getting in into Miami. And um, we had a little bit of a chat about this last week on the pod, so um, you know we'll just we'll just leave that uh, leave that out there. But <laughs> it's it's a really it is it's it's a, a really interesting um, I guess juncture that we're at in the game where we're seeing this big shift in player power while they're still playing. Um, you know, I, I guess um, that that is the natural endpoint to where you know like these transfer fees and wages and sign-on bonuses and all these things, you know, surely they can't keep rising forever. Um, Reminds so, me a bit of the NBA a little bit, yeah. you know, mm. like, a, like a LeBron James or something, you know, like that kind of the power one player has on the team, all the transfers, everybody comes in and out. Um, it's it, it only works when you build the team around that player, right? And that's what they wanted to do. I actually yeah. almost had, I, I almost said this is my own goal, Tommy, the, the Mbappe situation because <laughs> – because it's um, it's just like an absolute train wreck. Like I think everyone just expected him to go to Real Madrid. It just went on and on and on. And, it, and you know he'd like seemingly had this final meeting where he's going to make a decision, but everyone was just like, okay, the decision is he's going to go to Real Madrid. And then he just completely does a U-turn. But then you see all the terms and, and conditions of the contract and all the sweetenings of the deal and how good on them. Going. They absolutely yeah. pushed the boat out for him. Yeah, but like they've basically sold him like a percentage of their business just to keep them, which is just like, it's, it's, it's the thing is they didn't, they didn't though. Like I, I actually like the more and more I think about it, it's, it's crazy either way you cut it, but like the mm. difference between this and the, the messy example is mm. they're going to give Messi like a third ownership of the entire franchise. Like here, you know, yes, he's got like power to, to veto things and to choose, but presumably this is just while, like, while he's a player and for the term of his contract and, <laughs> Like, like just for three know, years, and then yeah. it, it's finite, right? Like, you know, whereas the messy thing, like, yeah, he's just gonna he's gonna own this club after, so well, we're not own it, but you know, he's gonna have a majority shareholding in it. So, um, they're a little bit different, but I mean, whichever way you cut it, I could just hear the writers at the Athletic just writing a, a think piece on player the player power shift that takes you four hours on a weekend to read <laughs> behind a paywall. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's not behind a paywall if you if you're a subscriber just going to throw that out there um (laughs) 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 boys uh one thing that i'm not sure if you guys caught was that la liga um basically were threatening legal action that they would take it i'm not sure if they were going to take it against mbappe or psg they're threatening la legal action yeah Yeah. it's good and and this was this was just like the saltiest of all salty responses that I've ever seen to something before, right? I, I don't I don't know how they could like threaten any sort of action, um, but basically it amounted to that they they were saying it was unfair because PSG were spending all this money and Real Madrid couldn't spend that much money, and it just seemed. Like I said, this just the saltiest of all salty responses to something where they're just so used to getting their own way in, in Real mm. Madrid and all of a sudden they can't and they're like, no, you can't do that. that that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But anyway, or anything else you guys want to mention about it, the, the Mbappe deal? No, just it was a surprise uh, from yeah. my perspective. All right, so uh, on Wednesday night, we've got the A-League All-Stars. They're going to be playing Barcelona in Sydney. Uh, the A-League All-Star squad has obviously been announced in the last couple of days. And, uh, Alas. All, or, yeah, <laughs> or probably everyone has already caught that. Um, but the Barcelona squad, that was announced today. Most of the, the Barcelona players that you would sort of hope would be coming out are coming out, minus Pedri and uh, Ferran Torres. They're probably the two obvious omissions. Uh, Pedri, basically, because he's just due a break after just being flogged nonstop for the last, what, two years with the, the Olympics and just being played nonstop and... Um, and and so forth, and and then Ferran Torres isn't coming because um, he's not vaccinated and can't get into the country. So, <laughs> um, boys, are, are you guys are you guys going to watch this game? When is it? <laughs> Wednesday night, eight pm. Oh, uh, yeah, I might flick it on. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, I'm. Oh, I'm not particularly enthused about this, but I mean, <laughs> hey, you know, there, there, there will be people out there that are, so I, you know, all proud of you. Look, uh, to be honest, I was not particularly interested in this, but then as soon as uh, they announced like the Barcelona squad and then they announced the kit this afternoon as well, I was like, ooh, starting to get a little excited for this. <laughs> um, Boys, the the kit was announced this afternoon by by Ultra. Um, it's a basically a white Puma template with gold accents. Looks very similar to a Real Madrid uh, kit. I've, I've got to say, as as one of you guys pointed out in the chat before we started. Um, uh, no, c- correction: It looks like a PSG away kit that was custom tailor made for to look like a Real Madrid kit to keep Mbappe happy. <laughs> And I tell you what, I would not be surprised if they use this next year as the PSG kit, right? And they just change the A-League All-Stars and put a PSG logo on there. Because they even, I wouldn't it, be surprised it, if Sydney FC get a cut of this too, Tommy, and just yeah. like, well, sub out the badge. That's the away kit right there. A part of me really likes the kit, but a part of me knows that I shouldn't like it because, like we just said, it's, it's very obviously playing off... Uh, sort of Real Madrid and PSG sort of like themes in the in the kit. So 
yeah, I feel a little bit guilty for liking it or even for getting a little bit excited about this whole sort of schmozzle in, in general. You can like um, football in whatever way you like, Tommy, whether oh. it's the All-Stars, whether it's the Lego Brick League. You just <laughs> like what you like, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let any of those purists on soccer Twitter tell you what you can like. Good, good. <laughs> Boys, um, Thriller House FC asks, who's getting Cap the Cum Dog uh, tattoo? Demo, surely. <laughs> so out of, out of the three of us, who's, who's getting one? Well, I mean, I just don't really know where you'd put it. You know? Bum cheek, surely. <laughs> that's that's a bum cheek tattoo. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Colby, do you have any tattoos? <laughs> no, no. Oh, I don't, I don't I think, think I, I don't think I would start with a Jason. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> pretty sure both of you guys are blank canvases, so you know. We are. Well, Jesse, reason, I think Jesse. Then, yeah, for that reason, Jesse, you're right. Um, Colby and I are both Kalinskians, so um, yeah, Jesse, you're you're the looking like you're the hot top, hot favorite to get is, the uh, cat the gum dog. This, um, this is a massive stitch up because what I was insinuating <laughs> was that you were a blank canvas and we're ready to be drawn on, but. Uh, Looks like it's backfired on me. I think this is the first <laughs> listener question that we've actually answered ever in the <laughs> yeah. history of the show. <laughs> there you go, Thrill House. Thank you for that. Oh, dear. Um, and finally, before we get into to A-League matches, uh, a little bit of A-League news. Obviously, with certain clubs not making finals, they're starting to announce who they're going to be keeping and releasing uh, for next season. Uh, Sydney, they've announced that they will be releasing 12 players, including Costas Barbarossas, Trent Bahaja, uh, Luciano Narsing, Callan Talbot, um, and Babo. He's obviously retiring as well, amongst others. Um, they announced that they were going to be keeping a hold of Steve Corica and Luke Bratton. They've both resigned for next season. Um the Wanderers, they announced that they will be releasing six players, including Bernie Abidi, um, uh, Petratos, Toma Hamed, Ziggy Gordon, uh, Mayas. Um, and also there's a bit of a, coach, a coaching clear out there with Gary Van Egmond leaving and Labano Haliti also moving into an academy role. Um, the Knicks announced that they that Josh Sotirio, uh, Hale Sandoval and Gary Hooper uh, and a couple of others would be leaving whilst the Raw also announced that uh, our boy, our collective boy, uh, Parsons, would be leaving uh, Brisbane as well. Boys, I, I, I dropped a, a lot of names there, but um, is there any of those that you are particularly surprised about? Colby? Um, we'll start with the Sydney ones, Tommy. I thought Barbarousas and Bahaja uh, and and uh, Callum Talbot as well. It was um, surprising to see that they were released. I mean... With these, with a lot of these um, press releases about player departures, what I will say, um, just to preface all of this, is that I don't know the circumstances around any of why they were leaving. So I don't know whether they were cut by the club. I don't know whether yeah. the player was pushing for a move, and it's a, you know, it's the old A League mutual, or um, whether the, the contract was simply expiring and, and they weren't renewed. So with that all said, um, I find it difficult to believe that if the likes of Barbarus, Bahaja and Talbot all wanted to play for Sydney next season, that they would be moved on. But um, there is a big rebuild and clearly they're backing Corica to, to do that. Um, and, mm. and also, like, just while we're on that, looking at you, Sydney FC, using um, the word re-signs instead of, like, renews or extends contracts in your, in your posts, very confusing, especially with Corica. 
saying he's re-signed after the, the shocking season he had. I had to do a triple take because I'm like, he's resigned. Yes, he's gone. <laughs> how good is how good is re-sign resign conflation? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we were discussing during during the week about how every time or about once every two weeks I have to check which one which one's which. And it just does my head in as well. Boys, if you had to if you had to put all these signings on a ship, you know, it's it's gonna clog up the Suez Canal. Because there's a fair <laughs> there's a fair amount of them here. And it's I'm just it's it's sort of like uh, how where, where did these people all go? You know, like and 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 are they gonna go A League or are they gonna go somewhere else? I mean, it doesn't look likely. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week as well, Colby. I mean, RIP episode one seven two. Um, but but we we talked a little bit about this as well, where we thought you know there are a lot of names, outgoing names, which don't particularly look like they belong at another A League club. Well, you you look at a lot of these names, and they're either going to end up at what the Central Coast or Macarthur next year, or they're going to end up in the Middle East. Pretty much, <laughs> I'm not I'm not ready to talk about Parsons yet because I think he's going to end up at a Melbourne oh, club and he's going to that- dominate next season. Mate, that was why I, w- I threw to you first because I wanted to hear your, your thoughts on Parsons leaving. I, I just, like, I, you're just not I'm ready gonna, yet. I'm not ready yet. You're going to have to wait till the uh, end of season uh, A League review, season review, and um, I'll um, I'll have time to process a little bit. It's still a bit raw. It's a bit raw at the moment. Jesse, is it still a little bit raw that uh, Joshua Satiri is uh, going to be leaving the Knicks? <laughs> Joshua, Joshua, <laughs> Joshua. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, who who's going to be that outlet for us now? Well, you know, I, I'm, I caught this just before I got on the pod, and I'm not sure if you said it in the group chat that, uh, yeah, a little bit of breaking rumor here that um, it looks like uh, Trent Bahadja he could be headed towards the Knicks, so he he could be that outlet next Love year that. For, for the Knicks. Bahadja and the Wayne Train, what a combo! Just trying to think about what the combo would be called. Come back to me on that. <laughs> the the Boo Train. Boo, Boo Wayne, no, <laughs> Boo Earns, Boo Wayne. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's finally get into uh, the A League semi-finals, though. So this weekend saw the conclusion of the two two-legged A League semi-finals. Um, boys, before we get into the actual matches, though, what have you been liking better, the uh, the mini uh, Utes that have been doing the rounds, uh, or the two-legged semi-finals? Two-legged semis are, are a great idea, honestly. I mean, I, I don't know about how you do it with the mid, midweek fixtures. I don't know whether they'll change that or whether there's a scheduling alternative, um, maybe back-to-back weekends. I don't know. But, you know, in theory, great idea. The idea of introducing home and away fixtures and all the drama that comes with that, great idea, especially as clubs slowly transition towards um, owning their own stadiums or at least playing out of um, the one consistent location, looking at you, Raw, Perth, Knicks. I mean, not not your fault, <laughs> Perth and the Knicks, but the Raw, come on, guys. Even Sydney, come on. Like w- once we get some consistency and, a, you know, a, a bit of a rhythm going at, um, at grounds, I think that'll be great. I think maybe one of the only bad things about the the two-legged semifinals this year was that the Wu and Melbourne Victory both played um, their two um, games out of the same stadium. So it meant that yeah. they're and, – and, I mean, we all, we all know the issues with the Wu and their, and their stadium build, um, but that was probably the only, the only downside, I guess. Um, 
maybe the other small downside was that uh, the first legs of both games were a little bit cagey, but um, we'll we'll get to that, I guess, in a second. So, um, yeah, look, let's let's talk Wu versus Melbourne Victory. Uh, so first up, they played Tuesday night, um, the Wu hosting Victory um, in the first leg of their game uh, at Amy Park. Um, as I said before, this was quite a cagey match, um, especially when you compare it to the return leg. Uh, with both the Vuck and the the Wu keen to keep things tight. Uh, the Vuck had probably the, the better chances, though, and took a 1-0 lead for the return league after Jake Brimmer scored a delicious half volley from just outside the box. Uh, the Wu felt they had a, a pretty good shout for a penalty, uh, but it wasn't given. Uh, the 1-0 scoreline meant that the game was perfectly poised for the return league um, at the same venue, um, but hosted by Melbourne Victory. Boys, uh, anything you wanted to throw out about that game, or should we move straight on to the to the return leg? No, nah, let's go to the return leg. I mean, it was right. just that Jake Brimmer moment of brilliance um, that really separated the teams. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. So, yeah, moving on to the return leg, Melbourne victory, obviously home. Uh, this time they had a bigger crowd uh, supporting them, um, and it was obviously also on a, a Saturday afternoon, 5 o'clock kickoff. Uh, raucous home crowd showed up to watch the victory, host the Woo. Um, boys, do you actually think the crowd might have worked against um, victory, though, in, in this one? Whether it did or it didn't, it was just such a great moment to see the the victory fans there and bringing out the banner, back where we belong. They've gone off early on the <laughs> we're back, baby, the semifinals, only to crash out to their, not their rival, Western United, <laughs> coached by... Thank- Thank God he's not our manager, uh, except in meme announcements, John Aloisi, um, who will be facing, okay, they are our rivals, but CFG is a cancer on football and they have no fans. Melbourne City, just, oh, chef's kiss. You could not write this. Um, like, love to see it. It, it Look, you, you've, you've done a great job of summarising it there, Colby, because, um, look, I think me and a lot of people were predicting that Melbourne Victory were probably the favourites heading into the final series, and for them to sort of uh, sort of collapse um, at the the key moment, sort of as they were looking like they were going to run away with a tie, um, was was just uh, I guess it was really disappointing from uh, from one perspective, but also from another perspective, it was just also amazing to see. Um, this this game really had it all because you had you said, they had comebacks and um, and then you also like I said you had a, a victory team who basically kind of collapsed in the end and um, I mean who would have thought that uh, that uh, Lockie Wales would be the one who would sort of be running away and and scoring the the goal that would basically decide the match for for not the me not, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, but um, boys, uh, how, how crucial did you think the the two penalty shouts were across the two games? Because there was there was one where um, uh, there was a I think it was Priovic, um, there was a pretty decent shout against him for a handball in the the woo penalty area, and and that could have I guess uh, changed the game. What, what was your feel on the the timing of uh, of the two penalty incidences across the two games? I was thinking about this, Tommy, and I actually think there were three penalty incidences. There was that other Ooh. one um, on Miranda uh, in the second game um, inside of the box when someone's clipped him on the way through, and I actually thought that was more of a pen than both of those. Uh, and so I guess uh, the, the 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 push on Wales, the more and more I see that one, the more and more I think they arrived at the right decision, and I don't know if that was necessarily a pen. 
um, mm-hmm. the handball, yeah, seen those given. And I, I suppose if you put those two decisions together, um, then I reckon, you know, victory would have been away. They've got two goals. Um, but, you know, those calls go for you and they go against you. And so as it was, the Wu outplayed them, I think, in both legs. Yeah, victory had some good chances in the first leg. But, like, that Brimmer goal was, I'm pretty sure they're only shot on target in the whole game. Um, and it was that moment of brilliance that that separated them. And then you had a brilliant um, free kick from Brimmer in the in the uh, the second leg, which kept the scoreline a bit respectable. But I think, um, yeah, like calls come and go, but the the Wu deserve the win. I think uh, I think for me, what's interesting about uh, a bit of a trend we're seeing with Aloisi's uh, game plan is it's basically like when you play a game of online FIFA. And um, you go all, you go all, all out attacking too early, Cobbs, mm. and um, you get to In the there. final you get to the final part of the game, and all your players are on you know red energy bars, and you can't you can't run, you can't sprint, you've got no energy left, and your opposition just absolutely destroys you because you're just you know you're like you know road cones, and I think what I think <laughs> I think what Wu, I think what the Wu do really well is he's basically what it appears to me when I watch them that they're just constantly not playing within themselves, but conserving energy throughout the game and only using it in the times where they feel like it's worth it. So if it's a counterattack or it's a, a period where they feel like they're on top and then they'll have periods where they just, they let the other team have the ball and sit back and just basically let them sort of um, cross the ball in the box and just deal with it as it comes. What it means is in that final period of the game where it's so crit- critical, um, they seem to find this little extra bit of energy and it worked for them in this game. And they really pulled away at the, the vital moments and, and got those, uh, got the late goals. So I, I think it'd be interesting to see if that's a trend and it's uh, I, that's something I've picked up on personally and I think it, uh, I noticed it when they played the Knicks. And, well, it's uh, yeah, it certainly is a trend and it, it's, it's you know, that, that counter-attacking transition style of football that John Aloisi's got them playing. And I have to say, I'm in big trouble in Check the Tape segment because I went hard on John Aloisi in our uh, season preview. So... Um, but like unbelievable, and I don't know if enough people are talking about this. If they're not, they they certainly will be when everyone starts to reflect back on the season. Because if you think about John Aloisi at the Raw, which I do often, um, he was somebody who <laughs> okay. Raw fans will tell you just didn't have a style of play. Like every like I watched him manage the Raw for like three seasons or four seasons or whatever it was. And I couldn't tell you what his style of play was there. Now we're sitting here and we can easily say, well, this is what he's trying to do. This is his style of play. And look at the results it's getting. And then you got to talk about the signings that he's brought in. Prijevic, Young, Lacroix. Like the guy is just smashing it on every front. And I'll put my hand up and say I was wrong. Boys, I challenge you to, you know, work in the sport for three or four years, move buttons around, you know, circle things, press play, then rewind. <laughs> it'll change <laughs> and, you. And, <laughs> it'll change it, man. You know, you're not, you're not going to come out of there without a game plan. That's all I'm saying. It's uh, look like like uh, Colby said. There's been a lot of people that I think are going to be eating some humble pie, regardless of whether or not the Wu win the grand final or not. Um, yep, and me too. Me too. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> not me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Boys, in the other semi-final, though, you had uh, Adelaide and Melbourne City. Uh, they travelled to Adelaide first in uh, what uh, was really a match for the purists only, uh, a game that was pretty low on entertainment, big on arm wrestle vibes, um, as two teams played out a nil-all draw in Adelaide. Uh, a few spicy moments where there were a few sort of flare-ups between some players, but um, that was pretty much it as far as the highlights go. Um, but... In the return leg, with obviously the first leg being nil all, it meant it was set up really nicely for the return leg. It basically meant Adelaide uh, and Melbourne City both had one objective, basically win the game and you go through to the grand final. So um, Melbourne City, they uh, looked uh, like they were, they had a, a pretty ordinary start to the game, I've got to, got to say. Um, Adelaide, they, they took the lead, um, but it, was really, um, I guess, a game of, of two halves and not first 45 and second 45. It was more more akin to the first 60 minutes followed by then the final 30 minutes plus extra time. Um, and Adelaide, I thought, did really well in that first sort of quarter of the game or first half of the game, I should say. Um, but I tell you what, City came home with a soaking wet sail um, in the in the final uh, sixty minutes of, of the match. Don't let, that, don't let that sopping wet sail distract you from Adelaide scoring a wonder goal. I mean, put some respect <laughs> on that goal. Um, I need a cloth that... to wipe up that wet sail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't. I guess we know now why we're so wet. Um, uh jesse so uh look yeah look great great goal uh scored by uh i think it's cloth is, is that how you say it um mm. but yeah obviously great goal from from him it was scored right in front of me as well at, at amy um and i tell you what i was just sitting there going how the hell is that going in um and i know that um Glover has not been a particularly popular uh, goalkeeper in, uh, for City fans this season, but there wasn't much that he could have done about that. That was a, a cracking goal. Um, he had a good but game look, too, Tommy. Other than, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, not much he could do about that, but he made some good saves that game. He did. He looked far more solid um, than he had in previous weeks or even months. Um, but uh, the, the game changed quite dramatically uh, with about half an hour to go. Um Boys, uh, what did you think was the the big changing moment for the game, though? Well, hard to go past the introduction of the slidey boy, uh, Tilio, coming on, um, scoring that goal. Um, you know, also um, great little goal, um, and um, yeah, changing the game. I thought I thought that was that was really the moment. Yeah, 100% I agree with that, Colby. Um, the, not only did his introduction, obviously he was uh, a lot fresher and uh, just in bit, better form than uh, Berenguer was, but they, they dramatically changed, I guess, the speed in which they were going forward. They were far more direct and Berenguer, he likes to get on the ball and he's sort of that cultured playmaker, but um, yeah, Tilio was far more direct and, and they were just getting the ball forward to... Um, forward to McLaren far quicker and it meant that they were just far more dangerous and created probably, what, half a dozen chances in that final 30 minutes. And it looked like they were on track to to win the game in, in normal time, but alas, they, they couldn't find a winner. Um, but it was, what, two minutes into extra time when Jamie McLaren pops up and um, pretty much everyone was in, in unison agreeing that that was the most Jamie McLaren goal that, they, that he's ever scored. Quintessential. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But look, that was the way that it stayed. Uh, 2-1 uh, with McLaren getting the winner in extra time. 
Adelaide, they looked like they'd run their race pretty much by the 60-minute mark and didn't really offer a lot in in extra time. So they'll probably be a little bit disappointed that um, the game sort of petered out the way it did. But uh, still, I guess Adelaide, I know, would be pretty proud of um, the the way that they even managed to make it within sort of half an hour of making the grand final. So um, I'm sure that Adelaide fans would be pretty happy with that that performance and, and the way that their season's gone. And when you said, alas, they could have found a winner, I mean, are you fast-forwarding to Wednesday night's game? <laughs> Just trying to shoehorn that in, right? <laughs> um, but, but, boys, the uh, we've got the A-League Grand Final coming up uh, this Saturday. Of course, it's going to be at Amy Park. Uh, Melbourne City playing Western United in the game that really um, – I'm pretty sure Danny Townsend is having kittens that these are the two teams they're going to be playing. Um, is anyone going to be watching this? The best two teams in uh, Melbourne, Tommy, a Melbourne derby for the grand final. It's what we said we all wanted and it's what we got. Of course, we'll be watching, but, um, you know, what, what's it going to cost you to, to go and watch a game down there? It's uh, surprisingly expensive. So uh, what is it? A Cat B ticket is, uh, what is it, $75, I think, which surprised me a little bit. Um, even even the cheap seats there, they're still what, I think fifty or sixty bucks, which surprised me a little bit. But I think we I think we had this discussion last year about um, uh, grand final ticket prices, and I mean it's it's also a premium fixture, right? Like they're, they're not they're, they're expecting this to sell out or at least go close to selling out, even if it is Melbourne City and uh, and Western United, right? Because a lot of people will just kind of come out of the woodwork for for a game like this. So um, I, I think a lot of people wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't sell out, but um, still there's uh, it's likely that I think this will still get probably 20,000 people to it and I think we'll still have a good atmosphere. Are they Gee, billing it as the bare minimum? Are they billing it as the unstoppable force meets the immovable object? They'd have to, because that is the perfect analogy for, for these two teams. It really is. Melbourne Derby Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> it, Sorry, that was just that a Marvel, Marvel reference. At the Marvel <laughs> yeah, reference. Run them memes. Run them memes will uh, you know, just add us, mate. You know, that's that's for you. That's for you. Marvel references will always be welcome in the A League. Boys, what's your what's your key matchup in, in this game? Well, I mean, it, for me, for me, uh, if the A League Van Dyke um, has a good game, then the Woo have a good game, and I, I think he's Lacroix. Uh, La I think he's uh, he's going to be key. Uh, he's just going to be mopping up all those uh, those balls into the box. And you know, a game that comes to mind is earlier in the season that we we all went to Tommy was when uh, I think it was Windsor Hall uh, scored in the first half, and basically we just parked the bus for the rest of the game, which is what they've done a lot this season. But I distinctly remember that game because I was sitting next to you and Damo and I was saying to saying to Damo that, you know, that <laughs> City are just doing the same thing over and over again for 70 minutes. They're just trying to cross into the box and they're getting nowhere. Yeah. Um, and it was exactly what the we were expecting and they found it really difficult to break them down. Now, I know there's been a bit of football that's been played since then because that was further back in the season, but it will be interesting if uh, we do get the first goal. It could be a very tough night for City. And considering what we've just seen, it took them a fair amount of time to break down Adelaide. Um, it's not going to be any easier for them if the Wu get the first goal. That's a very good point, actually. And I actually um, I wouldn't disagree with you, Jesse. I think if, if the Wu score first, I think um, this this could be a bit of a dour match to watch because I, I think... Um, if, if form has shown anything this season, so the the Woo won twice, 1-0, and then there was a two-all draw thrown in there as well. But um, it, it does look like um, 
the if the Wu do score first or the longer that it stays nil all, the, the more likely the Wu are that they're going to be the ones that will, will take out this, this grand final. So um, I don't know. I, I think it, it has all the um, all the ingredients for it to be uh, uh, a, a bit of a dour game, but um, I guess we've got to hope that it's more a two-all draw than a, than a one-nil win to, to either team. If the Wu win, are we calling Aloisi the, uh, the A-League Conte? Shout, you know, not a bad shout. Yeah, that, that that'll boys. be the matchup, though, uh, boys. It's um, it's it's Aloisi Kiznorbo, really. Like we're talking about Aloisi's managerial style. You're talking about the unmovable object, the immovable object. Sorry, and and then we were talking about Kiznorbo's substitutions in Tilio. How does he set them up to break that down? That's that's really what I'm going to be interested in in seeing in this match, and whether it's going to sell out. <laughs> <laughs> boys, what's your prediction? Who's going to win? Go early. Oh, I think it's going to go to penalties. Um, and I think, I think the, I think the we're going to win it. I think it's going to be one all. It's going to go to penalties, uh, and we're going to win it through Jamie Young's uh, goalkeeping in the in the penalty shootout. Wow! So one mini Azuzu Ute uh, each. <laughs> They're going to uh, split their Ute in half. <laughs> I'm going to say two one uh, in regular time to the Woo. Woo. Boys, uh, before we move on to the Prem, uh, at Kazanaki asks, since everyone loves the baby ute so much, should they put the mini ute uh, on the toilet seat for the for the, um, for the the trophy presentation? I love Kazanaki's optimism that the same people on soccer Twitter who weirdly used their clout and <laughs> ironically and performatively loved the mini utes will even care about this come grand final time. Trends move pretty fast, all right, especially on soccer Twitter. I don't mean to be a a downer, but I'm just saying, you know, don't go buying an Isuzu mini ute for Christmas if you think you can just return it to the pet store. Mini utes are for life. (laughs) Oh, that's very good. Uh, All right, let's, uh, let's get into the Premier League final day. Uh, So final day that was so full of twists and turns, you could be forgiven for feeling car sick. Uh, first of all, the big one, the title race. City were down 2-0 at home to Villa before mounting an incredible five-minute burst where they scored three go- three times to steal the title from Liverpool's grasp. Liverpool themselves have done it the hard way too, coming back after conceding early on to get a 3-1 win against Wolves. Colby Jesse, you're both Liverpool fans. How much fatigue was the final day for you? Yeah, it it shouldn't have it shouldn't have been a tease. Uh, mm. I think that I think the general consensus amongst um, most Liverpool fans would be that they didn't have high expectations for the final day. I mean, of course, you have that little bit of hope that Villa might be able to frustrate them for a while. I mean, my hope was that Villa was going to be able to uh, keep them at bay for the first 20, 30 minutes, where City is usually the most lethal, and that we'd at least have a bit of a nervy, uh, you know, nervy um, ninety minutes at least. But wasn't expecting them to score um, that quickly. They did. Didn't expect them to get a second. They did, uh, and then and that in that time, I mean, Liverpool had gone down so early, and they had to come back from that, and they were really struggling for that second goal. And like to be honest, and I said this to you guys earlier, the biggest prop, the, the thing that was actually stressing me out as the day unfolded was the idea that Liverpool was going to be stranded on goal um, goal difference with City because they couldn't get that second goal, and they were just going to draw with Wolves, and City was still going to win the league. 
um, that would have just been like the biggest kick in the balls because we we'd have to win <laughs> we'd have to win to win the league, and if we hadn't been able to do that, it would have been more damaging, I think. But um, the fact that City just came back and scored two goals after that and just sort of ripped it away again, um, yeah, I, I, it, took, it was a bit to stomach, but it was just kind of like. The city should never have been in that situation in the first first place. I mean, it was just madness. City City play their matches like me when I'm doing an assignment. Like I do nothing <laughs> for like you know the first couple of the first you know couple of weeks, and then you know the night of I just like smash it down in the end, and uh, you know just just submit it late, and then there it is. And um, that, there it was with City too. But Jesse, um, you know, talk us through it when Coutinho put that goal in in the the 70 minute or whatever it was to. Uh, to put Villa 2-0 up, it was like just like the headlines, just like all the hype from the um the British press had been saying, like, you know, what what was your what was your head like at that point? Well, one thing that stuck with me a bit from City, and, and I know that Liverpool played them a few times this year, but one that st- stands out to me is um Tommy when we were all of us were in uh in Brisbane watching the uh the League Cup final. Mm-hmm. And you remember there was that burst uh, in the second half where City almost almost took it to the uh, to extra time, where they just scored a couple of quick goals and looked like they could have scored three, four goals in the space of five minutes. That was that was a real microcosm of what happened last night. Like they have an ability to basically put three or four goals past a team in like five minutes. They just they they I I, I don't know if it's just the fact that they're very good at piling on the pressure and that they put everyone forward. Or it's also the fact that other teams just shift the bed under the pressure. I think it's a bit of both. But yesterday, that was just a complete capitulation from Villa in the space of a couple of minutes. And I, I guess what I'm saying is that it's not all down to just Villa playing poorly in that time. I think we've seen sort of warnings of that earlier in the season. Um, and, and Liverpool had a bit of a scare early in the season with it as well. So I think they are a team who are unique in the sense that they can just blitz a team in, in the space of five minutes. I, for one, I'm just stunned that a team managed by Steven Gerrard could could let it slip like that. Um, I just thought... <laughs> absolute, it, it, absolute narrative from you, eh? You know, that's bait. That's bait. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I couldn't resist it. Sorry, guys. I, I know that it's a hard day for you, but I, I mean, to get that in there. I mean, you're, you guys get fucking beaten in the Europa League final and stuff like you know, semis, semis. Yeah, well, might as well have been a final the way I was hearing about. You know, all gracious, and then you know we get bloody pipped on the final day, and here comes the bloody knife. You know, oh, I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But look, it it was, uh, I guess, another case of so so far yet so close for for Liverpool and. Um, it, it's still, I guess, as as close as you were and as, as great a season as you had, I guess it's still got to be pretty frustrating to uh, to be pipped again by the City team that's just so relentless and um, can just find um, can find results out of nowhere when they look like they're, they're not going to get it on the day and even late in a game like that as well. It's like Klopp it's like, did the exact same thing and after the game. He said... I would have preferred if they were up like four 0 in the first half. Um, mm. You know, he 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 knows the game's done. He knows it's over. It's just it's the uh, hope. You know, it's the hope it's that kills you. Say the line. Say the line. It really is. It really is. And it's like, um, but I think that I think some key context here that needs to be reminded. <laughs> some, some key context here that needs to be reminded as well is that you know back in January when we were 
talking about this. There was one point where Liverpool was 14 points behind them. Mm. So you've, you've, you've got to look at that and think, well, they should never have, again, City should never have put themselves in the situation in the first place. They should have had this one before the final day. So that's um, that for me is why I'm, I'm proud of our club in the sense that they took it to the final day. Not as you said, Colby. Not not we couldn't do anything more in the final day um, than win. So the rest was uh, in City's hands. And and City are a juggernaut at the moment. Like I said at the top, like but you know things change. Coaches move on. Eras fade. Money moves. Like Liverpool had their time in the eighties, and United in the the early years of the Premier League. Um, and and people must have thought those two eras would just continue on um, forever but you know they changed and they ebbed and flowed and players and managers and owners came and went so I mean it's hard to see it at the moment and and given the you know the the pure like a um, nation state that sits behind Manchester City and the City <laughs> Football Group it's it is a little bit harder to see you know there is a bit more inertia behind them but you know, don't don't um, discount what a big factor Pep is in all of this as well, and and he's not going to be managing there forever. So, I think yeah, things will things will change. I've got to say that sort of in the in the grand scheme of Pep's title wins in in uh, in England since he's been at City, um, this this is probably ranks maybe second or third for me in terms of the. Um, the, the titles that he's won because he still doesn't have a number nine. Like uh, uh, Jesus started uh, the season playing out on the right. Um, yeah, they're going to have Ireland next year. So obviously they're just going to score a million goals. Um, but, and, and De Bruyne has kind of like, he, he's come good in the second half of the season, but he, he missed quite a bit of the, the middle of the season to COVID. And um, you, you mean player been, of the season, Kevin? Yeah, I know it, I still don't understand how we got that, but anyway, we'll leave that there for now. Robbed, um, absolutely <laughs> robbed. <laughs> um, but just, uh, I guess, a really, uh, it's a, a strange time, I guess. And look, this this is an amazing city team, and they've been extremely well coached. But um, still, I guess, it's a, a strange, strange moment. Um, moving on, though. Um, uh, Spurs uh, comprehensively swatted away Norwich 5-0, uh, who looked every part the last place team who'd just been relegated a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Son was briefly the league's top scorer, uh, ended up sharing the title with Salah. Um, it means Spurs keep fourth spot, a massive achievement for Conte after their horrific start under Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, we'll talk more about Arsenal and Spurs' respective seasons in the Premier League season review app in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, West Ham, they couldn't handle the twists and turns of the last day as they failed to capitalise on Man United's loss to Palace. Uh, West Ham haven't beaten Brighton in the Premier League era, uh, continuing their run as be- uh, West Ham's Ooh. bogey team. Um, and finally, though, on to the other big result of the, the weekend, which was uh, the, the two games involving the two teams in the relegation battle. Uh, so Everton, their win over Palace midweek meant that they were safe with a game to spare, um, and it showed. They got spanked 4-1 by fifth-place Arsenal. Um, meanwhile, Leeds' 2-1 win over Brentford meant that they were safe to fight another day in the Premier League, um, but Burnley, they couldn't beat away a Callum Wilson-inspired Newcastle. Um, so it meant that Leeds stay up uh, just basically on the, well, literally on the final day. Uh, and it was right until the end of the, the game. I think it was only about 10 minutes to go when uh, when Leeds scored their winner there. But um, 
Boys, despite having a slightly better position leading into the final day, Burnley couldn't find the result that they needed to stay above Leeds. Um, did Burnley deserve to go down? I think you just said it all there, Tommy, but um, <laughs> in, in, in the alternative, um, you know, it's justice for Deitch, isn't it? They did him dirty. It does. I remember, like, yes, their the results have improved over the last couple of weeks, but there's a, there's a part of me that feels like just sort of in this this weekend alone, Dyche isn't letting that team go down, are they? Um, I don't know if you guys agree with that. I don't know, man. I've been a bit distracted. I don't know if we've been potting for so long that your 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 headphones look a bit like a headband now. Anyway, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was distracting me. Anyway, looked like you just done like one of those workouts and you got one of the headbands in the back. But anyway, um. <laughs> <laughs> also, <laughs> also, you've robbed um, you've robbed Arsenal of a goal there, mate. It was five one uh, to Arsenal. Oh, was it? So uh, yeah, they um, they got another one at the end there. So um, well, in in the end, it didn't matter anyway. Did justice, just, justice, justice for Arteta, I guess. Um, justice for Sal in the comments. <laughs> justice for Sal. <laughs> I think I think the 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 narrative I've been pushing in the couple of my recent appearances on here has been about uh, some of these players that have been hanging on the edge of the the Spurs Arsenal race and, and where they're going to go. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh and now Conte has his pick of the pick of the the market uh, making fourth and I think everyone knew it was a big deal making fourth, but I think everyone was like World Cup year um Spurs have a, a growing squad. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh Spurs have got a a growing squad but they have they've actually as far as an experiment is concerned, they've shown that they can integrate players from other leagues like Serie A and actually they work instantly. Um, Con- with- Conte is going to get a rude surprise when he remembers that he's at Tottenham, not Chelsea. Mm. Yeah, well, this, thinking this, thinking the- that he's going to have a transfer budget, thinking that he's going to be able to like go and sign who he wants next season. He's in for a rude sell shock. To, sell to buy. I, I, he's I, also going to have Kane wanting to leave. And- Colby, I bet he wakes up every morning where she was, you know, at the helm of a, an oligarch. But you know, we can't have it all. <laughs> no, but I think I think to be honest, what I like about what Conte's done though is that if you can get shrewd signings in like um, Kulusevski and and the like, he's got Benton Kerr in there. Um, my, my pick for a while has been that uh, Dybala's off to Spurs and that he's basically just been waiting to see if they're going to make top four to make the decision. And I, that's kind of what I'm hinting at. I think they're going to be players that Conte wants who have just been waiting to see if they make fourth. They wouldn't have had the information until yesterday or overnight. So now the real interesting stuff begins with Spurs in the transfer market because I do think they will get a couple of players. And if they do, they're going to be a real um, pain in the ass next year, to put it bluntly. You think they could sort of be challenging next year or like challenging the top three or the top two or pushing them all the way? So so the key for, for that for that third or fourth spot is take take points take points off the teams around you, but also try and spoil like like they did just recently at Anfield. Try and try and actually go um toe-to-toe with those teams and see if you can get a win or a draw. Over the course of the season, that'll set them up really well to be in the mixer at the end of the season but it's not that for spurs is it it's making sure that they win against all the other teams that are in the league um consistently throughout the season so but if anyone can do it conte can so yeah i'm a bit worried about them next year so we'll see what they do in the uh, transfer market i mean i i thought chelsea would sort of push uh city and 
uh, City and Liverpool all the way this year and, and see how that sort of panned out. So the, it's still quite a quite a sizable gap, I guess, between City, Liverpool, and and the rest. So guys, we'll we, we, see we'll, if they can close that gap. Well, we'll the, check the tapes. Summer. We'll check the tapes in the coming weeks. But very interestingly, if you look at the the British pundits, they did this big list of pr- predictions at the start of the season, like we do, hmm. and a lot of them had Chelsea to win the league, and it was like the Chelsea or City, <clears throat> and there's basically nobody nobody picked. Liverpool to win the league. Well, they, they were had, right, Bill. They, <laughs> <laughs> but they had them um, third or fourth. They, they didn't expect Liverpool to be in that position. And, and and what has been so obvious throughout the season is that two teams have pulled away. So um, that sort of just speaks to what you're saying, Tommy. Chelsea just mm. didn't quite stay in, the, stay in the race. I guess no one was really expecting uh, even the... Um... Uh, the the war in Ukraine and yeah, I saw a guy and all that sort of thing, right? Like <laughs> I saw a guy, I saw a guy on Twitter's like, we would have won it if it wasn't for the war in Ukraine. Fuck mm. you, Putin. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how how the uh, war in Ukraine um, made Lukaku play in jeans and made Werner and Havertz go missing for the first half of the season. But here we are. <laughs> You're saying there's a sanct- sanctions on jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Well, boys, uh, look, um, I wanted to throw out a, a stat regarding leads that um, at Kazanaki mentioned uh, for us. He says that uh, this season, Leeds picked up uh, 15 points from goals they scored after the 90th minute to avoid the drop, which that is that is incredible. That's, that's probably going that's on bad. half of their points, uh, I think. Um, and the other stat, which is probably not so positive, not so glowing about Leeds, was that they, uh, against the top six opposition, they played 12, lost 12, scored eight goals and conceded 47. So that maybe yeah. goes some way to explaining why they were uh, where they were at the end of the season. So Minus 37 um, goal difference at the end there. <laughs> wow. Awful. Um, but look, uh, that pretty much wraps things up for this week. We'll be uh, back next week to talk A-League Grand Final and uh, also we'll be talking uh, Premier League season review as well. So um, looking forward to uh, talking A-League and uh, obviously a bit more as well. So until then, enjoy the football.